Speaking Highly with John Huck. I am your host, John Huck. With me until the sun crashes into the earth is Indy Fawcett. I will never waver, John, from this podcast. You'll be uh, my my allegiance is to is to speaking highly. S H J H all the way. I see your shit. Krypton is imploding, and you're like, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying nope. here. I have to edit episode two. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the apocalypse needs content, John. Yeah. Dude, what are we gonna watch? The apocalypse will be televised, but it'll be on the internet. There won't be yeah, there won't be internet, but we'll have Prince's Vault. Oh. To watch. Fine. Yeah, we'll break Better into than- Prince's house and Grab all Better those than Geraldo's Al Capone <laughs> vault. Uh, my so-called life. That's yes. what we're talking about today. We are celebrating the TV show, My So-Called Life. If you are unfamiliar with this show, it is available on Amazon Prime for free right now. 19 episodes, one season. Feels like they crammed a lifetime in, though. It really is a high school... It's a high school drama, and... I'm not saying you're not going to laugh because as a grown person, when you watch it now, it's comical. But it is the story of a high school girl played by Claire Danes, Angela Chase, played by Claire Danes, and her trials, tribulations, titillations, teardowns, what have you, tastic lifestyle of... A high school student in, I guess it's Pittsburgh. They don't, they kind of don't talk about that too much, but it's a suburb of Pittsburgh. They tried to make it every town USA. Um, the cast, Claire Danes, who obviously is a pretty big star to this day. Um, Homeland is still on for some reason. Oh, yes. Um, um, but she's, you know, Part of the reason the show was canceled was her reluctancy to come, her reluctance to come back because she had just gotten Romeo and Juliet, the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, which sort of helped launch both of them into movie stardom, if you will. Mm-hmm. But uh, Claire Danes is in it. Bess Armstrong, who plays the mom, who I talk about uh, with, later with our guest, but she, I fucking hate this character so much. It like gives me a headache. But I need that. I need a person to dislike. And she, best Armstrong does a great job. She's in Jaws 3. I keep, I'm going to bring uh. that up. I can't, if you, Jaws 3 is uh, the Dennis Quaid yes. 3D Jaws movie that is connected to the first two movies by way of a quick story about Dennis Quaid being the son of Chief Brody. Isn't even it's called it's even called Jaws 3D, isn't it? It's called Jaws. I think it's called Jaws 3 in 3D. Because but yeah, 1983 be 3D. Jaws 3-D is the name of the film. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was right yeah. around like Friday the 13th put out a 3D movie. 3D hadn't been big since the 50s. They were trying to bring it back. They didn't have the technology they have today, so it was all janky. I went and saw Jaws 3 in a legit theater with 3D glasses as recently as 2004 and they had the cinematographer there to answer questions afterwards and we left because the only question i wanted to ask was why did you make such a shitty movie (laughs) um it wasn't even good in 3d it wasn't i don't know i can't really the, the only positive about jaws 3 is that it's hilarious it's jaws 3 and it's in 3d those are the really the funniest yeah. things but well well they they were taking a um 
a uh, a known moneymaker and and sensationalizing it way past yes. where it deserved to go. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Kill, killer recommend. analysis. I guess. Killer say. analysis, and I highly recommend it. But the uh, killer. Um, the other teenagers in the show: Wilson Cruz played this guy, played Ricky, and then AJ Langer played. Um, Ray Ann, and then Devin Gummersall plays Brian Krakow. Devin Odessa plays Sharon, um, and then Jordan Jared Leto plays Jordan Catalano. Now, obviously, oh, Jared, Jared Leto, Leto probably be the most famous person, yeah, on the show that you can look at now. People, he's a household name, so to speak. Um, AJ Langer, <laughs> she went on to act in a bunch of stuff. And then she got married. She is, this is just such a weird, interesting fact to me. She is the Countess of Devon in England. She married uh, a guy who was in line to be the Earl of Devon. And he became the Earl of Devon when his predecessor, uncle, friend, dad died or whatever. And they live in uh, Powderham Castle in England. Wow. With two kids. So she's probably done acting. Uh, yeah, I guess. I but, mean, I don't but, know, but but also imagine. I think it's obviously probably a high honor. But also, like you you spend your life doing good deeds, you get this honor, and it's called an earl. <laughs> well, she's a countess. <laughs> I, oh, it's, it's a count. Oh, sorry. I you know she's a uh, countess. Part of her corrected. title. She's a yes. she's a countess. I mean, I have no. I I believe that though. Like talking about the royal family, I don't know anything about them. They seem the royal family doesn't seem very like they have a lot of. Uh, actual pull or say in things they just kind yeah of but ornament. to be knighted gotta yeah, say I probably mean, one of the best things you know and uh, you know americans can be knighted you just can't put sir in front of your name do you know that Interesting. i did not know that so you're saying because of this podcast i could in fact be knighted eventually but i could oh, be called of sir john huck for your contributions to the british empire of course yes but you would be known as john huck kbe a knight of the british Empire? Empire. Question mark? Yeah. Okay. The E's something. So yeah. just can't say sir. Can't say sir. Yep. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But so you can only be knighted if you've done something good for, for Britain? Well, I think it's British culture or, you know, move yeah, forward. Yeah, like Sean Connery being James Bond and... Yeah, you know, Elton John, you know, you know the, the greats. Yeah. 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 All right. I'm down. Uh, anytime they want to contact me, if they hit you up first, <laughs> let me know. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll let you ride my coattails, John. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and our guest today had a had a sh- had a three uh, show arc on my so called life. So the series ran nineteen episodes, and it was canceled because it was on ABC originally, which I was just informed, and nobody watched it. And then MTV picked it up, and that's where I heard about it. When nineteen ninety four, I had just started college, and I had a professor who talked highly of the show for reasons I'll get into later. Um, but she, but our, our, our guest today is Senta Moses. Senta Moses Mikan. Sorry, I want to say her full name. I've known her for a while. She's from the same town in Illinois. Um, she has been acting since she was a child, legitimately. She is, if you watch the movie Blues Brothers, she's dancing on the cop car in the Ray Charles scene. She's what? Oh, in really? DC Cab as one of the kidnapped. She, yeah, in wow. Blues Brothers, she actually told me that she had to go to the bathroom so bad, but she didn't. She was a kid; she didn't want to stop anybody, so she just peed all over like her leg, and then the cop car hood. And she said, "John Belushi, John Belushi came over and said, don't worry about it.' 
whoa holy shit man that's awesome what we know now probably is that john belushi's like don't worry about it i just took a shit in my pants back there so no one gives a fuck who cares <laughs> yeah he took the blame yeah no it was it was he, he just her and she did that she did dc cab which was again for me a such a huge movie as a kid to know someone who was from my town went on to be an actor it was the first time you thought that was even a thing that could happen you know like yeah. what and if you want to hear we do we did do a good in-depth talk with senta uh on the hollywood anonymous podcast uh, uh where she goes more into being a child actor and because she's one of these kind of rare she's been acting consistently since she was a child and she's not an alcoholic she's not a drug user she's not, you know she's married to a a fine human being she's not like a a problem person in any she's any an upstanding word, citizen you know? yeah upstanding citizen well-rounded well-adjusted but a yeah. working actor it's like it can be done it can be done she's a nice example of how that can be done Definitely. um the show which i didn't get into with sense but the show my so-called life debuted it's such a weird time uh august 25th 1994 was the f day the first episode aired kurt cobain killed himself on april 5th 1994 so this is four and a half months hmm. after kurt cobain has killed himself this show also uh premieres a month after oj simpson was formerly arraigned so he was arraigned July 22nd, 1994. So this is like wow. right after Kurt Cobain dies, right before OJ Simpson is arraigned. Then the show's last episode airs January 26th, 1995, two days after the OJ Simpson trial starts. Yeah, you're, you're not so going to have good luck with uh, the ratings. The there, show huh? didn't last as long <laughs> oh, as the OJ Simpson trial. Wow. But again, interestingly, like you're talking about, my so-called life is on ABC. People were glued to the OJ thing. They were glued to it. It was the most polarizing. We as a society had looked at OJ Simpson as one of the good guys for nothing short of a small eternity. And then this it was being presented to us that those were not the facts, Jack. And it was crazy. I had a, this is just a, an offshoot because it's an interesting story. I was going to college in Northern Wisconsin in 1994. I had a lot of friends who would, during the summer, when we would all go get our summer jobs or go back home or whatever, they would go up to Alaska. They'd work on fishing boats. So they'd work at canneries. They'd work, you know, so they were, and this was pre-real internet. We could send emails. That's all we really mm -hmm. knew. So he's uh, this kid I know is up on this fishing boat in Alaska all summer. The OJ thing happens over the summer. He comes back. I'll never forget the look on this dude's face. He shows up at my house. I just got back into town where the semester's starting up or whatever. And he comes over and he's like, hey, man. I go, oh, hey, you're back. What's going on? How was Alaska? You know? He's like, hey, I just heard the craziest thing. I heard that the OJ Simpson football player guy, is he? did he murder somebody? And it was literally all anyone had talked about in my life for fucking six months or three months or whatever yeah. it was. And this dude had legitimately no idea. It was uh, crazy. Yeah. Wow. It was crazy. Because when I said, when I, uh, when I go, yeah, dude, it looks like he killed two people. One of them is his ex-wife. And he was just like, 
I don't know, the guy who does Hertz commercials? And I was like, OJ Simpson. Like, we all saw this dude as an untouchable athletic guy who was amicable and funny and in Naked Gun. We're getting way off the topic. We're doing like OJ Simpson show now. But my so-called life came out at a very interesting time. And that could have had something to do with poor ratings. But also ABC airing a teenage drama it did. They didn't. ABC yeah. didn't have the audience for it. So when it was canceled, MTV bought it and started rerunning it. And that is really it. Gave it its second life, I guess, if you will. That's when most people saw the show was on MTV. I wasn't watching ABC as a kid. There was nothing on. I mean, Roseanne, I guess, was on ABC. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff I might have watched because I think everything else was NBC and CBS seemed like an old man network to me at the time so I didn't right. watch anything else. Well it, it's also interesting too like it, it was kind of a, um, it's kind of an, an early uh, uh, example of like what's going on now with streaming where you know shows like uh, I don't know like I can't think of one off the top of my head but something like the office Right, where it just grow or like like even like Arrested Development, where it it got oh. canceled in two thousand three, gets picked up and put on Netflix in two thousand eight or nine, and then just literally is a firestorm of popularity, and then Netflix is like, let's just make a new season. You know, it's like it's 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 interesting. It was like this kind of went along the same lines, but it was more TV channel to TV channel. We're gonna put it on a TV channel that actually would probably lend itself to more viewership. Yeah, yeah. and but like. But like we talk about later, we, they didn't make any more episodes. That wasn't necessarily right. a thing people did. Like Netflix had the idea, the money, the wherewithal to bring the cast back, pay yeah. everybody. MTV, even in 94, was still predominantly showing music videos. Yeah. So they didn't have the cash to like. Right. It, it was more a syndication come play. Back and like, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It, was, <clears throat> it was more buy the rights, make the money on the reruns, do yeah. what you can. Yeah, but it definitely gave it um, a, a new life on MTV. And as we talk about later, the only thing comparable at the time, the only other real show on television about teenagers specifically was 90210. And that is and that ran for 10 seasons, which tells you how dumb it was. I mean, it was a, <laughs> it was a la- I, I watched every episode of 90210. We will do a whole show on 90210. I could break down the characters. I was obsessed because the show was so unrelatable and so comical to me that I watched it to, it was like a fun thing. I, I, even when I got to college, it was still, I'm watching it with all these girls I know why we'd hang out, we'd get drunk and watch 90210 and ridicule everybody. <laughs> When That's I half laugh the fun. at my soul club, it was fun. It was so fun. Yeah. And I still, I was happy when they brought it back to uh, Netflix for, or uh, Hulu for two seconds or whatever. Like the characters are funny. The, the idea is comical. The idea that we're worried about where rich kids are going to park their fancy fucking cars. No one gives a shit. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it never did. But it was yeah. so funny back then and funny now. But my so-called life, when I watch, I re- just rewatched the whole show, and when I rewatched it, I laughed a lot, but not in the same way as when I laugh at 902. When I'm mocking it, this was a laughter of like, oh yeah, kids are fucking weird, you know? <laughs> right. Being a teenager's hard. It's There is something so funny to me about how we think as teenagers, and I think it's, it's almost universal and spans generations. I don't think it's like, well, when I was a kid, I think, we all do it. We th- there's such a finality to everything we do as kids. 
Like if me and you right. get into a fight, we're 11, 12, 13 years old, fuck you, you're not my friend anymore. And then our other friend still hangs out with you, fuck, now I can't be friends with this dude. Like, Right. There's no gray areas. Yeah. There's no gray area. We, we had a, I had a, a big problem trying to find middle ground, so to speak, when I was younger, you know, because you think everything that happens to you is this life-changing event. And in a sense, it is, but no more in a way that a second passing by on a clock is a life-changing event. And by the time my words reach your ears, I will have regenerated skin cells on almost all of my body is... You know what I mean? Like <laughs> those are also yeah. things that happen all the time. Um, <clears throat> but with my so-called life, I there's there's just a there's a genuineness to it. There's an earnestness that's not there. And when I look, when I kind of looked into it, the creator Winnie Holzman, you know, I looked at her. She is a when she, she's in her sixties now. When she wrote this, she was in her forties. It's like. I'm in my 40s. I can't imagine trying to write dialogue that sounded realistic for high school kids. But right, <clears throat> her use like you, of you the need word an ear like, to the ground. <clears throat> yeah, I would. I would need to write something with a high school kid. Yeah. So that when I pitched out an idea, that kid could go, "Dude, nobody does that anymore." Hell or no. that's not how it works. Or you yeah. know. But with her, and and again, Senta, uh, we talk about she had a three story, a three episode arc but such an important arc like the it's the first time on a teen drama or teen show that a character admits to being gay comes out of the closet for the first time to somebody that was not something you ever saw on tv nobody talked about it. yes where was i aware there were gay people sure but like I talk about later, it was you're that person's gay. Like I'm straight. What's the, there's no big deal. There shouldn't be an issue. I'm not seeing the bigger picture of this not being an acceptable thing right. and why it might not be acceptable or the awkwardness this person feels having to tell people this or yeah. not feeling like their family. Like I, it was just one of those things that didn't kind of come into play for me until I was older and understood had a little bit more life experience and saw how other people lived. Um, but like I said, this chick wrote, Winnie Holzman wrote for teenagers. Um, and it was so funny. I didn't think anything about the dialogue until a English professor who got me into poetry. She made me, I took a poetry class. I said, I hate poetry. She looked up and said, you find a fucking poet. She was like, I'm going to well, she was just, she was kind of annoyed. She was like, you're going to like, like what a stupid, shitty, t stereotypical, fucking yeah. bearded white asshole thing to say. It was like, uh, she's like, find a poet, find one poet you like, find one poem you like, like that poet. And I was like, ah, and I walked out of the classroom and two days later, somebody handed me a book by Charles Bukowski and I was like, oh, poetry can be weird and angry and drunk and mean. Yeah. And I fell in love with it. Now, of course, Charles Bukowski... I get it. It's very remedial in terms of, oh, you like poetry? I'm a Bukowski fan. Like people would, <laughs> I get how that would, but that led me to Wendell Berry. That led me to, mm -hmm. you know, different poetry, better poetry. I don't know how you want to say it, but like it broadened my horizons. And I thought you she, were going to roll in there with Axl Rose lyrics, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Like this is real poetry, y'all. Oh yeah, what I and actually that's probably what I did say. Something like, "Look, I'm uh, I like um, Robert Plant's guitars, really nice. Halen. Yeah, yeah. Led Zeppelin writes good poetry. Uh, yeah. Pink Floyd is genius. Um, Didn't mean to the, derail. The was, no, that's fine. That's fine. The whole thing. This whole podcast is the giant derailing of everything. I think. I know. I know. All we're doing is derailing from thinking about real life. Yeah, that's um, true. But when but when you talk like. High school, that's how they spoke. Like, this chick had kids in high school. She was not, she made it a point to go out of her way to learn and have someone, like, she worked at it. It reads and sounds so legit. And it's silly. It's dumb. They say dumb things, but they're kids. Kids are dumb. They haven't lived. They don't have life experience, and they think they know everything. I can say that because I was a kid, and that's how I felt. Yeah. I feel Well, it's also like, like a, it's, it's it's almost it's like a historical moment, right? Like I, you know, I, I'm, is is my internet cut out? Am I okay here? I can see. You. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, yeah. No, I mean it's like a it's like a it's it's more of a historical thing because like I I went to film school. I have a you know BS you know film and TV degree. Uh, that you know my homework was watching two movies a week and. And learning facts about film history or like you know the first interracial kiss was on star trek you know stuff like that or like uh, you couldn't show a toilet on tv till like 1969 or something like that you know you couldn't see right? people in the same it's bed insane. until 1960 something right so it's like it's stuff like this where it's like this is lasting now into the 90s right where you're still creating film history and you're you're forging uh, you're uh, moving forward um the the opportunity for new stories to form and be okay with displaying to the public yes yeah. because uh, as as we as we talk about with senta who played uh, delia delia fisher was her character's name just so we're clear um there's being a part of that like 94 and we're having a the first kid come out and say he's gay it's like if that feels so caveman that feels so archaic it feels like oh my god we really hadn't come that far by then and we hadn't we had so far we're still we still we still it's 2021 and we have so far to go yeah that was a step in the right direction i mean they dealt with things they look the title episode the episodes of the titles were things like guns and gossip the zit why jordan can't read self-esteem you know pressure on the wagon resolutions betrayal weekend those were like show titles so they were trying to deal with things that kids dealt with you know what i mean and not you know cheesy way it's it's hard I, I, it's not hard to explain it's just you to look at them side by side 90210 tried to deal with things that they felt were legitimate concerns of the day but they did it so comically it was just so done yeah poorly it was just not real whereas this was more subtle my so-called life was real in the sense that everything wasn't blown out of proportion she says her friend is by her mom's like bye yo you're just throwing around words like bye and then that's it. Parents then talk amongst themselves. There's, you know, it's, yeah, it wasn't this whole parade of look how accepting everybody is or how unaccepting. It was like more subtle and more real. Yeah, that's what I actually gave a shit about. That's why I liked it. Um, no, definitely. I think it's a great I segue like, into the uh, into the uh, <clears throat> interview. Yeah, it is. It is real quick though. I want to talk about. <clears throat> well, no, we talk about it in the interview. You're right. Um, so. 
it, it did it just real quick it won a golden globe after it was canceled of course it wins a golden globe for best actress in tv drama for claire danes nominated for emmys for directing main title theme and outstanding lead actress in a drama for claire danes it won a glad uh award which is um gay lesbian alliance and uh, i don't know what glad fully stands for but i think we're getting the picture um because of the ricky character because of what wilson cruz had done um and it was the first teen drama that didn't read like an after-school special. That was basically, that was the beauty of it. You weren't being preached to. You weren't being, having lessons shoved down your throat. You were seeing these kids live and it felt real. And we're gonna talk with our guest, Senta Moses Mikan, who again has had, been a working actress since she was a child and had a really important, this kind of speaks to my theory, not theory, I believe there are no small roles. I think when you have a show like this, every character helps drive the story. And because Claire Danes was only in high school, was, a, was a, too young, I was young at the time, she was on a work, like a kid's work permit. She couldn't be on set for very long. Because of that, they wrote for more of the ancillary characters. They wrote for the mom and dad. You knew more about the friends. You knew more about people like Delia Fisher. You knew more about the teachers. It just became an all-encompassing world. And again, I can't speak to uh, how great I think it is. I think they did a great job. I think it's an important show. And I'm glad we are able to talk to Senta and uh, celebrate my so-called life. Enjoy our discussion, everybody. All right, so from, I'm just going to list some things that people may have seen you in. Um, Blues Brothers, DC Cab, Beekman's World, the movie Home Alone, <clears throat> and My So-Called Life, Santa Moses is here, everybody. <clears throat> Sorry, Santa Moses Mikan. Oh, thank you right? for having me, John Huck. Yes, it's true. I've been, I'm married. <clears throat> yes, correct. And I wanted to make sure I'm getting everything right. <laughs> Um, yep. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Well, thank it. you for having me. Of course. Um, you are, we've talked about, we had you on the Hollywood Anonymous podcast. Mm -hmm. We talked pretty much about your upbringing, how you decided from a, very early on, you knew you wanted to be an actress. Yeah. Your parents are smart, level-headed, and grounded people. So yes. it was not a... You weren't pushed into it. You weren't, you know, there, there's a lot of people that have this idea of a child actor and you don't kind of fit in yeah, that I didn't, idea. I didn't have a momager or, you know, parents on the set stealing my money. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. <clears throat> Are you That's, okay? Are you going to die in the middle it's of one this of those podcast? Things, it's one of those things I, I drink too. If I drink too much coffee and not enough water, it affects my. Oh, acid reflux. You're getting old, John. Have to what? You're getting old. Yeah, well. It's acid reflux backing up on you. Yes, that is exactly probably <laughs> what it is. But but we also talk about how we are from the same hometown and you yes. uh, kind of are the person who we looked at, even as kids, when you were in DC Cab, we were amazed. We were amazed that someone we knew could be in movies. It was fascinating. Mm -hmm. I'd still talk to my friends about it today. <laughs> but, um, and then I, I wanna say quickly because I don't think I ever, we, we spoke about it, but I recently rewatched Home Alone for mm -hmm. the first time since it came out. Same. I Yeah, I did an interview before Christmas, and I was like, oh, crap, I don't remember the movie. So I watched it. 
So you don't watch it every year. Oh no, no, I watch yeah. a Christmas story. For me, it's all about a Christmas story. That's that's and my... that's how it has been for me as well. And yeah. I've always kind of thought that um, Home Alone was for a generation under me, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Because '93, no. I was graduating high school. I was like, I'm not a kid anymore. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm cool. I'm an adult. And I feel like my my wife's a little younger. That was like right in her wheelhouse. Mm. But then I rewatched it, and holy shit, if that movie doesn't hold up so well. I think that that makes sense to me now that why it's a Christmas classic because you got I, I'll watch that movie every year now. It, it really holds up well. It's done well. It's written well. It's funny. It's got and like heart. Catherine O'Hara, Catherine O'Hara, heard John Candy's in the end, right? Yes, he's in it. He's in it. I literally just talked with somebody about John Candy. That's so weird. He is, I guess, was a wonderful human being to work with. I would imagine he was. By all accounts. Yeah. Um, but we are here to talk about mm -hmm. my so-called life. Yes. Which I recently took the week. It's on Amazon Prime. Okay. And I rewatched every episode. Oh. I had not seen it since it came out. And when I did, I remember seeing a few episodes and not thinking too much of it, thinking, mm -hmm. okay, this is, I'm out of high school, this is for people in high school. Yeah. And then an English professor I had, Cynthia Belmont, was like, is anyone watching my so-called life? And I was like, what a weird question to ask in like a poetry class. And yet she's the hippest person you know. She, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, was like, <clears throat> she she nailed it. She goes, I go, no, why would I watch that? I'm a, a, I'm an adult man, like mm -hmm. I don't have any. And she's like, they the writing, they nail it. They yeah. nail what high school kids sound like. They nail the, they just, the more I thought about her words mm -hmm. to me in that class and like rewatching it, it's so true. Like, And all of that was in the script. Like the, the lines, the ah, uh, and the likes, and the pauses, like it was all in there, which is amazing. Yeah. So, she, um, what was her name? Uh, Winnie Holzman. Winnie Holzman, who created the show. Yeah, as uh, in her, you know, early late thirties, early forties, mm -hmm. is writing for teenage yeah. kids. She which, had a teenage daughter, yeah. and she also made a point of talking a lot to the cast and getting input from them and asking them questions. And that's true for all of the writers and the producers. They were very involved with the with the teenagers around them. So I think that played into it as well. But yeah, I mean, I should send you one of the scripts because it's incredible. Like all of the uhs and the likes and the pauses and any like weird sentences that like start and then don't finish and then go somewhere else. Like that's all in there. Oh, yeah. That's amazing yeah. because I would have, and I guess that's adults understanding that the target audience isn't other adults. And if they don't make this legitimate, if they don't make it sound legitimate, people aren't going to buy it. Right. They're, they're not going to identify with it. And I think that's the thing with that show is like kids that age watched it and were like, that's the way I talk. That's the way I feel. And it's, I, I think yes. that's why so many people responded to it. It's so funny. The, the finality with which they think mm -hmm. the kids like, it's like, Oh, you guys are friends now? Okay, I don't care. <laughs> Fine, I guess we're not friends. Like, like there can be no other. Like, it's just like if you're on that side, then we're on this side. We're against each other. It's right. And it's, the, the Angela and the the Jordan relationship, and and how it just tormented her, and she tossed and turned about it and read into every mm -hmm. little thing he did. I mean, that was so beyond true. Yeah. So beyond. 
it's it, it really is it was really it was really well done i mean yeah. uh how did and 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 also i want to point out as we were watching the the show nicole was like i don't understand like she remembers you when we first hung out she was like i know her she's mm -hmm. on my so-called life and i was like oh fuck, i watched that show i didn't know that yeah so but nicole had a vision of you being on the show almost in its entirety I wasn't, I was in three episodes. Which I think speaks to how important your little arc was. If that oh. makes sense, like within yeah. within the show, which was 19 episodes and mm -hmm. canceled. Right, it was canceled on ABC after 19 episodes and then MTV <clears throat> picked it up later and that's really where it got its cult following is because it was on MTV because nobody watched it on ABC at all. I did not even know it was on ABC. Yeah. I only saw it on MTV, which is why I was mm -hmm. so confused as to why they would cancel it. And if it got such a big up at MTV, they should mm -hmm. have. Yeah, you know, I think that was maybe something they didn't do back then, where if a show was with a network initially and then got picked up with a cable or streaming or whatever, they didn't add additional episodes. It was like you just purchased the season that was and you aired the season that was. So I think that's why. Yeah, one, that's yeah. probably cheaper. Oh, yes. Than yes. Paying everyone to come back. Um, and two, I, it might have been a, could have been a rights thing or maybe just something nobody thought of. I mean, mm. I remember when Grounded for Life, that TV show went from Fox or went from NBC to Fox or something right. like that. And it was like it had been canceled. Family Guy did that. It was canceled and then picked up somewhere else. And Futurama <laughs> did the same thing. And it's just it's more of a common thing now to, yeah. to do. But you're right. Back then it was like buy it as is. That's it. Right. And, and I think I personally believe that my so-called life was a bit ahead of its time. Like it was a bit too true and too real, uh, which is why people <clears throat> weren't necessarily watching it. Like it had to like it had this like slow burn to it. And, you know, it's very different from the stuff that's on TV now or even the stuff that was on back then, which is also why I think people still remember it. You know, it was kind of a unique little blip on TV history. The the only teen drama at that time that mm -hmm. I can really remember is 90210. Right. And that was there to be mocked. That was not there to relate to. Yeah. There was no relate. I didn't go to school when I was uh, 15, 16 years old and wonder if I was going to have to valet my vet or if I was going to have David Silver <laughs> drive it home. Well, I didn't have yeah. to. It's I mean, I went not, to high school in Wheaton, Illinois initially. And where did you go? I went to, I went to Wheaton Central. There I, we I go. Mean, so yeah. yeah. We're in the same boat. Nobody there had was, those cars around us. There was no, no those the, type the, of champagne problems. Yes, their problems are like, my dad doesn't love me, so he gave me $10,000, and now I'm going to start doing cocaine. It's like, dude, what? That's what you're doing? It, the, yeah. the, it was unrelatable. It, mm -hmm. I didn't see that show as something that was like, oh, that's, I'm just like Steve Sanders. I, there right. was none of that. It was comedy, you know? And, and I think you're right. I think by by. Just the I'm and I'm just really struck by the dialogue. And now that you're telling me it's in there, because mm -hmm. to me I, I can imagine that, like a director saying, "Okay, and you know, give it your give it the high school thing." And, oh, because right. if you did a no. word count on those 19 episodes, you'd be in the hundreds of thousands with the word like and whatever. Yeah. Right, and uh, and it, that's that's absolutely right. And you know, I think that was part of what was so easy for me about being Delia Fisher is that it was all in the script. 
Like everything I needed to do was in the script. And if I just stuck to it and let Winnie guide the way and Todd Holland, who directed the first episode that I did, I mean, it was kind of foolproof. It was just, you know, it was it was all there. And I learned after the fact that my character was actually based on Winnie Holzman as a teenager. Um, so that was super fun to be on oh, that that's show. that's awesome. Yeah, and to play a younger version of Winnie. Oh, my God. I didn't know. Yeah. I, that's that's fantastic. She Even, has brown curly hair, too. So She that. does, but I would have never been like, oh, she, you know. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did even your look, the looks that you give Brian Krakow, even that was in there. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. I, there's... <laughs> The Brian well, he Krakow. was a dirty dog. I mean, let's be honest. So those looks came easy. <laughs> I it's it's I will say, mm-hmm. and I'm not. This isn't a hundred percent, but if I had to pick a character that I relate with the most, yeah, it would be Brian Krakow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and this podcast interview is over. <laughs> no, because not just because I'd be. First of all, I'd be. People would call my. Call me on my shit if I was like, I think I'm like Jared Leto. Like, that's right. ridiculous. <laughs> You'd be getting emails like all day long. <laughs> really, look in a mirror, buddy. But I, I just I just think with this, the high school, the angst, liking a girl who you know doesn't like you back and right. she likes the cooler kid and you can't compete with that. All you have is like, right. you're smart or you're funny, but that's not enough. Yeah, and, then, and that, that triangle of like the best friend that you're in love with that loves someone else, like that. You don't want to lose her as a friend, but right. you also don't want to see her with this guy. So yeah. every action you do, everything. And like, everything she does, you read into. Yeah. She's like, she clearly really loves me because she's spending all this time with me. You know, the yeah. maddest, The maddest I got is when she asked if she could come with you guys to the dance. Oh, yeah. And instead of him going, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. he breaks it off with, I know. with your character and then ghost with her who is only there to go see right. somebody else it's he like- was just her ride and funny story about that scene my grandmother at the time in real life uh was just starting to get dementia and she watched the show and she called me afterwards and she said senta she said you cannot let a boy treat you like that and i was like i was i was acting she's like no i'm, I'm telling you you cannot let a boy treat you like that oh, wow <laughs> yeah that's, wow. she's italian so i mean yeah She's giving you a life lesson. Life lesson. I mean, that's kind of sad, but also speaks to your acting. Right. Yeah, she believed it. She She did not doubt it for a second. (laughs) No. She did not doubt it for a second. Um, How did you, what was the audition process for? You know, it was very typical in that I went to a pre-read with Jeff Greenberg, the casting director, who went on to cast Oh gosh, everything. Uh, Modern Family. I mean, he's yeah. like, you know, that name is that name is at the end of just about every everything. sitcom you watch these days. Yeah. Brilliant man, brilliant eye, kind soul, yeah. big fan. Um, so I pre-read with him and then I went back and had a producer call and in the room was Winnie Holzman, uh, Todd Holland, the director. Um, I think Scott Winnett, one of the producers was there too. And then Jeff Greenberg and I just, you know, read the two scenes. The, the audition scenes were the scene where he breaks up with me uh, at the Big Guy Burger. That was the second one we did. And I think the first scene, I think the first scene was that initial meeting with him when I'm with Sharon, but I mm. can't remember certainly. And afterwards, Winnie just looked at me and she said, 
that was a wonderful reading. And I said, thank you. And I walked out, you know, like every actor in Hollywood, you go, thank you very much. And you walk out the door and you just, you know, completely analyze it in your car for I was hours. Just say, <laughs> if, if, you try, if you try to tell me you let it go after that, oh, I'd be no. like, that is not like every no. actor in Hollywood. John, there is no letting it go. Even to this day, 20 some odd years later, there is no letting it go. I do my best acting in the car on the way uh, home. Dude. Yes. <laughs> every time. Yeah. Every time. And now it's after... I have a thousand tries. Right. I do it on my own. I'll do as many takes as I take. I get one. I do yeah. it. Oh, that's it. I send it. Yeah. As soon as I send it, I'm like, or I could have done the it other like one. This. <laughs> I know. See, that's the problem with the self tape is like they've now got that new extra element of self doubt where you've got, you know, 15 takes and you got to pick the best one and you send it and you're like, no, it should have been take number seven. How did, yeah. How did I mess this up? How yeah. did I mess this up? Yes. But that's, that's very, you, you do that. You, as actors that people audition and it can seem, oh, this is just like an audition I had the other day. It's the same thing. There's a director, right. there's a producer, here's the camera, this is what I say, these are my lines. And then you leave and you're like, I'm an idiot. I fucked that up so bad. <laughs> I know. That's so true. That's so true. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I had that feeling with it. And then, you know, a couple days later, I got the call. And at the time, it was just one episode. It was just Life of Brian. And when I was on set... Um, they were so wonderful. Like they immediately made me feel like family and welcomed me in. And I had such a great time. And Winnie being Winnie, I've told the story before, but she, uh, she came up to me and she said, how, how are you doing? Are you having fun? And I said, I'm having a great time. And I said, I have to tell you, I have the biggest crush on Wilson Cruz. And I know that he's gay, but I just, I have a crush on him. And like, Weeks later, it was an episode. <laughs> so. Not, but but I, I would like to say probably one of the most important episodes of the entire yeah. series because it's the only time that he comes out and says, I'm gay. Yeah. And, and I just want to say, I feel so blessed to have been in that scene and part of that moment because I know what it means and, and meant to so many you know, young gay men and women. And I just, yeah, I feel so lucky to have been a part of it. More, more than Claire Danes or any other character on that show, his character mm. is a reason that I think the show is, they didn't play him. Uh, he wasn't stereotypical. He no. wasn't like a flamboyant. He was like a high school kid who probably deep down understood that he was oh, gay, yeah. but was fighting with it Every, I mean, struggling with it. Yeah, there were no other shows thrown out on the words bisexual at the time. And when Claire Danes says he's bi, and the mom, who mm -hmm. is my least favorite character, <laughs> <laughs> great actress, love yeah, Jaws best. three. Yeah, hate the mom. Hate yeah. the mom. It's <laughs> so enraging to me. Is but it because she nitpicks her husband? She nitpicks she, part of it. Yeah, but she, yeah. but her the explanation of who she is, mm -hmm. the way they did that, she was the hot one in high school she mm -hmm. was the popular one in high school and she and the guy the husband knew her but was like the nerd yeah that explains so much of her fucking behavior because right. but also how that affected angela to have this mom who was the homecoming queen and now she's this awkward teen that doesn't really fit in anywhere i mean i thought that in itself was brilliant in terms of complicating angela's path and very real very yeah. real it's almost like um they took the the, the typical rules, which would be, okay, husband, workaholic, wife, yeah. bored, 
going to cheat on him because he's never around. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they took, they, they gave, they reversed the roles of the parents, it seemed like, for the time. And I thought it worked, you know, because again, I feel bad for him. Mm. He's just this guy who's trying to figure his way in life, you know. Right. And, and, but and in defense of her, the flowers on the wallpaper, they have to match up. John, I mean, you can't, <laughs> you can't let something like that slide. <laughs> I can't, like part of me wanted to watch that guy just go, all right, you know what, fuck it, and just tear down all the wallpaper and just have a have a fit and go, no, no, nobody gets wallpaper, no wallpaper anywhere. But the other part of me was kind of like, because I have a little bit of that OCD where I'm like, yeah, yeah if same. you don't line those up, dude, I'm going to stare at that every time I walk in the room. Right. I understand. I yeah. I. That's a very, yeah, it's complicated. It's complicated. complicated, but that also might be an age thing, you know, watching it, you know, in our forties now, it's like certain things that the parents did that I didn't understand 20 years ago. I'm now like, I kind of get it. But also, are you putting up any wallpaper? Are people still wallpapering anything? (laughs) Such a bizarre thing. Um, So yeah, that again, very, a very, I don't know what pinnacle turn uh important important yeah, really episode important of television of, of that whole series the mo mm-hmm. in, in my and and they you know they did deal with things that were realistic mm-hmm. and they did it in a fairly realistic manner mm-hmm. instead of having it be the dad is going to cheat and it's a secretary and it's a thing and it's a full blown affair it's yeah. this guy fighting against it it's like the the it's very real and i think mm-hmm. the ricky character again getting and i'm glad they weren't like well in season two he'll come out Do you know what i mean right. i'm glad they gave him that wherewithal to say it mm-hmm. and feel how probably good that felt to say yeah. out loud and, and then scary have all at the same time yeah and he admits that he's never said it out loud before even yeah. to himself but how great was wilson in that moment like i mean he was incredible through that whole show but in in that moment you just you saw it all on his sweet face he was yeah. just he was incredible yeah it's he that's a that's a role that i look at and i'm like man i i hope that guy is doing okay because i he's know he's doing that, great well yeah I, yes career but i know like that doesn't just come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You pull oh, from yeah. who you are, and when yeah. you're doing something like that, that had to be just emotional in general. And I'm sure at that point he'd probably been out and was. You know, I don't. I don't know. That would be more a question for Wilson. I don't well, know if he was out or if he had just come out. I feel like there was. I feel like there was some. There was a a, a recent event or something that happened in his life that you know, was kind of not the same as what was happening on the show, but I think he was probably struggling. And also when you think of the fact that that was over 25 years ago and, you know, coming out as gay now is very different than it was coming out as gay 25 years ago. So I'm sure that there was a lot of truth and. I equate it to uh, going to Europe before cell phones or ATMs. If you Mm. were American, (laughs) there's no system in place to help you. Right. There's no understanding of what you might need yeah. when you're there. Whereas now you go over there, you have an internet, you can still reach your home, you can you mm-hmm. get ATM, you can get money wired. Whereas coming out as gay in the 90s, there was you could have just been left to left out to dry. You could have been left right. on your own. Whereas now there's more of a system in place that even if your family rejects you or even if if 
uh, people you care about somehow reject you or for whatever reason reject you, you can call people, you can go to certain places. And I'm not saying that's a, the answer or it's a be all end all, but I agree that we are much farther along than we were in the 90s because, mm -hmm. all, you know, in the 90s, if someone said they were gay, I was just like, uh, okay. And I, yeah. would, I assumed that that just meant they were gay like I was straight and that everything was fine. Yeah, but I, I didn't mean, walk down the street with people going, look at this fucking straight guy over here. Like, I, yeah. didn't, I never dealt with any of that. So <clears throat> seeing it on TV like that and, and at, a, at that time, very important in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think so I too. I think so too. I mean, I, I um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that it's still very challenging to this day for teenagers to come out. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just the more that they can see on TV and film people that are like them, I think that that's really important, you know, to, to, to just really show, like, even with like the Black Lives Matter movement, seeing more TV and film with, with black leads and, you know, I just, the more that people see who they are on the screen, the better it'll be. When did yeah. you, because I am 100% in agreement with that, and it's one of those things <clears throat> that it wasn't until, and I don't want to say recently, but within the last couple of years, when I really started thinking mm -hmm. about the difference that someone who's not me might have, like growing up, I saw people that looked like me all the time on TV. That was all there was, was yeah. straight white dudes all over the place. <clears throat> some redheads, some not, but like that was hardly the point. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Whereas um, there were people that never saw anybody like them for right. years, for decades. Like you didn't see black people in a McDonald's commercial. You didn't right. see gay people do anything on TV. It mm -hmm. was, and, and I just, that only recently set in to me to be something that matters, like really mm -hmm. matters that you, if you don't see anyone that looks like you playing a professional sport, mm -hmm. your thoughts are, I'm probably never gonna be able to play this Well, sport. especially as a young kid, when you're you know developing and trying to figure out what you wanna be and what you wanna do in your life, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm I getting, you know, yeah. as a character actress, I'm excited to now see character actresses in leads because for most of my life, uh, it's, it's, it hasn't been the case. You know, they, they cast the young ingenue in the leads and then the people that look like me or have, um, unique, more unique qualities about them end up being like the best friend or the assistant. And it isn't, until more recent years that you're seeing women of all different weights and ages and looks leading a film, having a story, having their story told. And I think, I mean, not to compare what I go through to um, black people or gay people in any way, but I'm saying that, I, I mean, I understand that the importance to have everybody up there on the, on the TV yeah. screen, yes. on the film screen, to, to, to really just make sure that everyone feels part of it yeah because mm -hmm. again there's enough room for everybody there right. are all all movie making and television making is, is storytelling mm -hmm. there are endless yeah. amounts endless of stories, stories for people for sure. of, yeah. of all across the board and that to say that there's not room for anybody is completely uh bad what's horseshit so, yeah i agree um when you what you call yourself a character actress i didn't I do 
even think about that because I, I definitely consider myself a character actor but when i say that i'm like i'm a guy who could pop in and go hey farts and then pop right, right. out and everyone goes hey who's the fart guy that was great <laughs> but 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 i don't but i but i don't i guess i don't see it when i because i my so-called life was a drama right i mean it's a it, there's i laugh now when i watch it because i'm laughing at teenagers and this yeah and the, the way the, you I, used to think and yeah. then literally thinking like, oh yeah, I can see why you'd think that because that's what I would have thought when I was that old. And mm-hmm. we were all idiots, but we thought we knew everything. If I could go back and do one thing to myself, it would be kick myself in the face and say, dude, you're dumb. <laughs> know that you have to learn because you yeah. don't know anything. Right. Um, what was my point? Uh, you started off saying it's interesting to hear you say you're a character actress. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But but, but when I see it in a drama, like mm-hmm. I get it. it. I don't know. I just, I guess I just I guess like you say that just means more of like not the stereotypical lead. Right. When you're looking at the poster, the person that's front and center probably doesn't look like me. But the person who's off there holding all the right the, on the, the right holding books or, and yeah yes, exactly. <laughs> that's my briefcase zone. opening like yeah yeah the third still, wheel in a love triangle that's me <laughs> but i think you know again that's just a, a that also proves one like we are starting to see more people like that take leads there's yeah. the, you know you get like people like Aidy bryant who are mm-hmm. leading films and brilliant yeah amazing and so good and 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 more entertaining for me to see someone that I, looks like somebody I know. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, oh, it totally does. Yeah, it's easier to identify general. with them because you're like, I know that person. I've met you know? her. I've hung right. out with her. We've right. had a conversation about how shitty that guy is. Like, yeah, I, yeah. It, it it just feels more real. You it know? does. And and I think putting that into reach for people is important. And I I think it will lead to better storytelling and better movies and TV and in the long yeah, run. Yeah, I and hope so. I mean, it's been getting pretty good. I mean, there's been stuff, and granted, I've watched a crap load in the last 10 months. Way, but, more, <laughs> way more than I ever have before. Right, but, yes. but there is some really good TV out there and really good film out there, and that's exciting to me, and very different stories that I'd never heard. And that's part of the education, too, is when you're, when you're watching these stories told by people that haven't necessarily told their stories, or let me rephrase that, haven't been able to tell their stories before, you learn and you grow as a person. It's, it's Are we talking amazing. about The Watchmen? Oh my gosh. Them. Because <gasps> I watched that and Re- then Googled the Tulsa massacre Thank and you. was like, uh, what? Yeah. what? Right. I mean, I fangirled Regina King for years, oh. but just, oh my gosh, that but show that, is incredible. That yeah. show and that show would not have been able to be made like that mm-hmm. in 1994 no, or 2000 is, or 2004. Which sucks. Yeah. Which sucks. Yeah. Except... That because of the technology we have now, that show looked so good. Oh, it was so good. Did you read the graphic novel? I did not. Mm-hmm. I saw the movie. Okay. Don't get me started on the movie. <laughs> I did not care for the it. The show was excellent. Let me, we're, sho- just gonna, we're gonna go with the positive on your podcast, John. The show exactly. was excellent. <laughs> and I, all, all I'll say about the movie is I don't need that much blue dick ever anywhere on a screen yeah ever i don't think anybody does (laughs) but the show the show was so good and so well done 
but but it's like that and then what's the uh 13th did you watch that documentary that documentary is i mean i had so many moments like that over the last year where i was just like wait what which you know speaks to my white privilege and the little bubble i lived in growing up in a suburb of chicago and you know coming from relatively affluent parents i mean yeah big bubble got burst in the last couple yeah, of years and I'm year. so and grateful for it. Me too, because I yeah. felt like I was a guy who like, I understand things. I went to a liberal arts college and I know about things. And <laughs> you in, know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> I know nothing. And that was a real, like like you said, last 10 months has been um, yeah. incredibly eye-opening and yeah. for for the better, I yes, think. Yes, you know, I agree. So. I agree. Did you, uh, what was, you said the cast, everybody had fun, they were treated mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, what was like, when you showed up, they were already, were they, yeah, they would have already been, had episodes been airing? Uh, no, I believe they started airing around, well, I know they had aired by Halloween of that year because uh, Claire and Devin Odessa, who plays Sharon and I, went to the West Hollywood Halloween parade together. And that was the oh. first time that they were getting recognized from the show. And it was like, oh, oh, wait. Oh, the sh- like, this is a thing. Because <laughs> it had never happened before. Um, Are you talking but, about being on Santa Monica Boulevard? Oh, hell the, yeah. You're I, talking I, about... I will never forget this. There, th- mm. This group of men were dressed as the Disney bitches and they had this one guy had was dressed as Ursula and he had these like 12 foot satin tentacles and like it was the most incredible con like costume parade I've ever seen in my life that and yeah it was you, you so we, were that. we were there we were there Look at clips on YouTube Ugh. the West Hollywood Santa Monica Boulevard Halloween parade it's is stung. like nothing else Right Right. It's so the insane. three of us went together because we wanted to do something on Halloween and we were, you know, hanging out and we went and um, it was, yeah, that was a crazy night for sure. For so that, many reasons. Had, yeah. Had you, did you have an episode that had aired yet or the show? No, because no, you no, were the, the, right. On. The show had just started epi- uh, airing, but my episode, I think, I think Life of Brian was like maybe 14 or 15. It yeah, was like it definitely was, in like the later half it of was, the season. It was season. deep in there. Yeah. What? But you you obviously hit it off with Claire Danes and um, Odessa. Devin. Uh, Devin. Mm-hmm. Devin Odessa. Uh huh. She played yes. Sharon. Yes. Um. And who were the best friends fighting on again? Are you friends? Yeah. We're not friends. Oh, so dramatic. But like. <laughs> so but high school. They, but you. Be, but but I believe it. You're you're yeah. like you really do think this is a be all end all. It's. Yeah. It's, it was so it was so great. But so you obviously hit it off with them. You guys are mm-hmm. hanging out. Um. Was that the general feeling? The cast, everybody was just. Yeah, I mean, I I think so. Uh, those two girls were the ones that I hung out with the most offset. But like the makeup trailer was very loving and warm and fun. And I remember listening to music and lighting candles and just hanging out with people. And you know, Wilson and I got close because we had before we shot the dance sequence in Life of Brian, we had dance rehearsals with the choreographer who was actually Mickey Rourke's son, Michael Rourke. What? 
Yeah, I know. Thank you. I totally geeked out when I found that out. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. So he was our dance choreographer. So Wilson and I spent a ton of time together. And then, you know, we had a bunch of scenes together. So we hung out a bit. Um, But yeah, it it was just, uh, it was a family. It was a lovely group of people and everybody was... And, and I think that stems from the top, too. You know, I think that Winnie and the producers made a point of of choosing people that they wanted to spend 18 hours a day with. You Which know? I cannot stress <laughs> enough is not just important, but I yeah. think more and more people are doing that. Yeah. I mean, I because don't want to spend 18 hours with an asshole. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> you really don't. No. But, but in any line of work, right. much less in the line of work where it's, shoot for five minutes and I go stand with this asshole for another 40 minutes while we yeah. relight and change the cameras. Or you're, having to be open and vulnerable in these like really difficult moments with someone that you're opposite of that you just want to poke their eyes out. That's challenging. It's that, that, <laughs> that, that is challenging. Yeah. I've only had that one time and it was a very small part. So it didn't really, it doesn't read or anything like that. But but that is an interesting thing to have to be vulnerable. Like if you didn't like uh, Ricky yeah. or you right. didn't yeah. like if I didn't like Wilson, Brian or if I didn't Krakow, like, yeah, yeah it would have been awful. Yeah. yeah. You still do it cause it's your job and that's what they're paying you for, but it's just not fun at that point. It's work. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's when you start getting paid to act. Like I, Ed Zwick actually on, on the show, my so-called life gave me the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. He said, as an actor, you get paid to wait and you act for your own enjoyment. And I have taken those words to heart and, you know, gone on with my career with those in my mind. That because is... it's, it's so true. Because when you're acting, that's what you love to do. That's playtime, right? And then if you're sitting the in your trailer for six hours, well, you know what? That's what you're paid to do. You're paid to be at their beck and call when they need you. So that's I say I say very similar when when people find out, you know, you do stand up or whatever. They're like, mm. oh, my God. So that's great. You only work one hour a night. And it's like. <laughs> No, I work all day traveling, taking flights, booking flights, yeah. writing jokes, and then I have fun for an hour a day right. doing the stand-up. Like, yeah, there's the grind and then there's the playtime. Yeah. yeah, the the reward is not doesn't feel like work. It's like, oh, finally I get to do this, you know? Right. And that's the same with acting. You do all that other stuff, early calls, and for me, prosthetics and whatever they're doing, yeah. you know? and. I did one commercial. It was like two and a half hours of prosthetics. And oh boy. This, the producers walked in and they go, oh, and the Grinch had just come out. And they go, and they go, well, now you know how Jim Carrey feels. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are going to pay me $20 million. I do know how Jim Carrey feels. And they kind of just were like, fired. no, they were just like, they just kind of like, uh, and then they left. I'm like, it's not the same thing, idiots. Right. Yeah. It was yeah. very funny though. But, but you were also a little bit older. Yeah, like I was in high school. I think I was 20, 19 or 20 when I shot Life of Brian. My brain as I gotten older is kind of Swiss uh, cheese. Uh, but yeah, I think I was 19 or 20. So I was a bit older than than Claire and Devin was closer to my age. Um, I wasn't in high school. I was in college when in college, I shot right, it. Okay. Yeah, I was at USC. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's where you went, mm, right? Yeah, Did Was anybody else uh, on the show going to college? Not that I know of. Not that I know of. Okay. I just yeah. wasn't sure. I mean, because 
I guess they shot it out here if you were going to Yeah, it, it was actually shot on Tennessee Avenue over in West LA. They had like this, um, it wasn't even a sound stage. It was like this big empty building. It was an office building that they converted to a sound stage and built all the sets there. And yeah. Wow. And then there were a couple exterior shots at the high school, but yeah. But so most of that was on LA. a stage, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, yeah. I mean, you movie magic, right? It's, it's so dumb because I'm like, I've been, I've, I've worked on a show that was set at a house that was on a stage. Right. The outside is on a stage. The inside is all stage. And I've seen it with my own eyes. I know how it yeah. works. But when I watch my so-called life or shows that do that, yeah, I don't think that's a set. That's a set because everyone's right. really good at what they do. They're very good. Yes. Yes. Our production designer really was killer. I would have thought that was a house. And they were like, we're going to be here for 19 episodes. Let's get a no, house. Like, nah, no. let's build it ourselves. Fuck it. <laughs> it's easier. Um, when <clears throat> the, the show wasn't, were you surprised when the show was canceled? Uh, not, I wouldn't say surprised. Uh, we kind of had a feeling that it might be coming because the ratings were so bad. So there was this sort of sense of, you know, it didn't get canceled right away. They did that thing where they kept us in suspense for a bit. Yeah. So when we wrapped, it was kind of like, well, we don't really know if we'll see each other, you know, for next season, but hope we do. <laughs> but when there's bad ratings, you know, there's, it's kind of inevitable, you know, what, what's going to happen. Um, yeah, we were just really lucky that it had the second life on MTV. Otherwise it very possibly could have just like gone into a drawer somewhere and nowhere, no one would have seen it. Which I, which would have been, honestly would have been really tragic because <clears throat> and not in a sense that like we all couldn't survive or I, yeah. I would not have food but just in the sense that like the, a lot of shows have been made since then that have done that have done that attempted to show teenagers how teenagers are yeah and 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 that was really that kind of laid the groundwork for realism it yeah. put, I mean just as an adult listening to the dialogue you want to slap some of these kids because Let's go. The uh, uh, like, like, I like. <laughs> right. why, my but that's is, the way you talk as a kid, right? Is, why, why are you like that? Why are you like this? Like what? Like the way you are. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're just angry at it because you've said it. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I've thought it. Yeah, you know? for sure. For sure. I love the moment. I actually, uh, when you asked me to be on the podcast, I went back and watched Life of Brian out of fear that my brain would, you know, just completely Forget. malfunction yeah. during the interview process. And I still love that moment where Brian says, you know, I don't make plans. I just like whatever to happen, happen. And Claire's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And After then Jared she, says it. She's, like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, she's already, totally. Yeah, I, think, I think it's reversed. I think Jared says it first. And oh, he she's says like, it first. Okay. She's like, yeah. And then he says it later. And she's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I know. But that is that's so that is how the teenager that's the teenage the mind like, nature yeah if my mom or dad gave me sound advice when i was a teenager i was like you're a fucking idiot right but if right. my friend uh -huh. four bong rips in is like dude you know what you need to do i'm like dad is genius you're a right genius like, and it could have yeah. been the same it's just like yeah it's where it's coming from <laughs> i don't want to say kids are dumb but what I, but when i say that i just mean they're still evolving. They're there learning. Look at the positive spin on it. Figure it out. You know? <laughs> They're in process, John. I mean, look, if my so-called life did one thing for me, it made me not want teenage children ever. Oh boy. Yeah. So one uh, of my friends had a little girl, a few, I guess 
six years ago now. And after she had her, she said, the first thing I thought is, oh my God, she's going to hate me when she's 12. <laughs> yeah. That's what I say to my bro- my brother's wife about their kid. She's like, I sent a picture of her as a baby. She's like three or four now. And she's like, oh yeah. man, I missed that baby. I go, you're really going to miss this baby when she's 13 telling you to piss off because she can't stand you. <laughs> exactly. Slam on the knows, door in your face. <laughs> and she knows that's going to happen because that's what she did to her mom. Right. It's like a Circle vicious, of life. <laughs> but that, that really is the, how did you feel about that mother-daughter relationship on that show as being fairly legit? Like It you was said. very legit, you know, and mm. in hindsight now in <sighs> watching it, it even becomes more legit because I'm aware of what I was like as a teenager, you know, now being past my teenage years, I can see just the stupidity and the, the drama and just, yeah, the angst. And then, so yeah, I mean, you see that and you relate to it. You, mm-hmm. you I think, I think a problem when you're a kid, you think that no adults remember what it's like to be kids. Right. So their, their advice to you is like adult advice. And you're like, what in the fuck am I going to do with that? Like, get out of here. Like you're not, you're 40. Shut up. Right. Whereas this show, they, one, she wrote it Mm -hmm. magically. And two, I don't know. I, it's, 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 it's just the, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm having a hard time articulating well, it. But it- I can only imagine that if Winnie pulled the storyline of me having a crush on Wilson from having a conversation with me, I would imagine that she was very involved with all of her actors. They all were. So I think, but, but that says to me how brilliant Winnie is, is that she listens and she watches and she observes. And and that's where great stories come from, the truth. Like nothing is more um, endearing and entertaining and it, you get absorbed in the truth. Like if it's not true, you turn it off immediately because you can't identify it. You don't get it. But authenticity it, it, is authenticity. Key. Yeah. Thank you for the word help there. My brain no. was like, what? But I, I, just, I just saw something about uh, a marketing thing and it was like, um, you know, perfection is out. Right. Nobody cares about someone who's perfect. Nobody cares about, f- be honest, be authentic, yeah. be who you are. And if right. you're growing something out of that, yeah. it can't fail. I and had even a if conversation. You're not successful. Yeah, I had a conversation with a couple producer friends uh, about female characters in mm-hmm. television recently. And I feel, and I'm excited about this, that we're embracing flawed female characters, characters that make bad choices, that don't have their life together, that are making mistakes. That are human? Right, that for a long time, uh, the majority of women's roles on television were like the perfect mother or the perfect girlfriend, like these unattainable qualities. Like I would rather watch Fleabag and see her wreck of a human life and, and, and feel like, okay, I'm doing all right. (laughs) You know, something to compare it to looking at God, at least I didn't do that. Like, yeah, Yeah, I did that and I'm not alone, you know? So like, not the only one, not not that I did what Fleabag, but you know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) she seems nice. She's not right. My parents might be listening to this so yeah but it's like you just you want flawed characters you want real characters you want human characters that have complexities and and that is so much more interesting especially in the last you know five years with women on tv and film i'm i'm really excited about it i hope it continues you know even men too you know the the male characters are so much more interesting they you know but with guys it's been for a while, there have been like these awkward dudes who could then be leading men. 
You know what I mean? Right, like they, right. they kind of they, that 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 transition seems to happen depending on who the actor is. Ha- happened a while ago. Whereas I feel with women, you're right. Like we're we're moving beyond this the perfect wife, the perfect girlfriend, the perfect right. teacher, the perfect because nobody is that thing. That's a ridiculous man-made literal man, <laughs> man-made concept. Yeah. They're like this is what I want out of a woman, so I'm going to put her in all these movies. Right. And then the descriptions of women when you read oh. you're like Can I tell you how many arguments I had with my manager where, you know, I'd see a breakdown for a role and it would say quirky and I'd say, I'm quirky. And he'd go, no, they mean stunning with glasses. Like, wait, what? (laughs) They mean Zoe Deschanel. Quirky. Jenny McCarthy with glasses. No. Yeah. But again, it's, it's evolving. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So it is, it's definitely evolving and it's I, for the better. I think yeah. it's a, a worthwhile thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm trying to think what I want to, I've already talked about my dislike of the mom. I don't want to get too, go too hard on her because I do. She is a, I'm sure she's a nice woman. Oh, and, Bess uh, is wonderful. She's a lovely human being. Was she, was but she God fun bless to work her with? for So fun to work with and God bless her and any person that jumps into a character and is okay being a little hated. You know oh, what I mean? Man. Like, but, but I love that. Like when I watch shows and, and I really hate someone, I'm like, that actor is good. Cause they just like fully committed to the fact that they were being awful. Yeah. There was, I, that struck me. I was watching the show Lost when it was on uh, yeah. back in the, on ABC. Yeah. And there was a, an actress on there who her character came on and I immediately despised her. Uh-huh. I was like, oh man, I cannot stand this chick. Like I would. <laughs> I would, it was like, I would hate watch the show to see her and ah, and then, no, I'm not saying who it is. This isn't a spoiler if you haven't seen the show, but she ends up being killed off towards the very, very end of the show. Redemption. I cannot tell you. I sat up. I was like, no. Oh, that's amazing. I was horrified that they killed her. And I said, I think I said out loud, like, I didn't like her, but I didn't want her to die. Right? (laughs) I I just, I felt that way recently because I, very behind the eight ball, I watched The Crown over quarantine. I just started that, yeah. Yeah, and I have such a hatred for Philip. Like, it's so deep down in my gut. Like, I see him and I just want to pop his eyes out. And, like, I'm applauding the actor. Like, logically, I'm like, okay, that actor's brilliant. But emotionally, yeah, Yeah. I'm like, Because I hate him. I hate him. Yeah. I mean, God forbid should I ever come in contact with a real Philip. He may get the full wrath. That (laughs) that guy's still alive, nature. I know, right? So, I mean, I could run into him at Starbucks. Be old, probably. John, I gotta be honest. I know nothing about the royal family. My only knowledge of them is through the crown, so it's very warped. And yeah, they're to that. Yeah, I believe they're like a useless entity. They just have been around for a long time, and no one I, knows how to tell them to get bent. I don't know how to get bent. I don't know. I know she has. I know the queen has a lot of dogs. That's that's okay. what I've got. <laughs> You're up on that. Um, yeah, I was going to say about Bess. I, I I was watching the first couple episodes, and I was like, "How do I know this woman? I know her. I know her." Like, and I yeah. could not place her. And then I finally just caved and looked her up on IMDb. Mm. Jaws 3. Jaws okay. 3. Not you, one of the better Jaws movies, but... She's done a ton great. of stuff. I mean, she's yeah, got yeah. a resume a mile long. Yes. But in speaking to that, years ago, we'll call it 10 years ago, when that situation would happen and I'd go, I know her, I know her, I would use my brain and I would just think and think and think. And now I'm like, let me pull out my phone and IMDB it. Like the, My phone has made me stupid. 
is what I'm Two saying. things. Yes, yeah. technically we are now forgetting things like phone numbers and addresses <gasps> and things we used to have to memorize all the time. Right, right. But with the idea that you can now have a thought and then go look it up, it is over, you're done, you've looked yeah. that up, and now you have room in your brain for the rest of your day, which will end up being more thoughts about people you don't recognize and having to pull them up online. Right. It's a That's, vicious cycle. It is a vicious cycle. <laughs> I, I was at a new doctor uh, last year and they asked me for my case of emergency person and his cell phone number. And obviously it was Joe. And I paused and I paused for a really long time. And then I pulled out my phone. I was like, if I ever lose my phone, I'm just going to find a rock and bury myself under it because I You're will done. be useless. Like I won't Can't know get who home. to call anyone. I'll be calling the phone number in Warrenville where my parents moved three years I ago. I could call my from. mom's home phone. Yeah. And that is about it. Yeah. And she doesn't answer that anymore because she's got to sell. And you're right. <laughs> if I Every time I go to CVS, every time I go to CVS, the, my wife has the card, not me. And they're oh. like, phone number. I'm like, yeah. And I pull my phone out. And I'm like, <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. I always get like one. I try to do it from memory. I always get one number wrong. I'm like, right. Idiot. Or you mix it up with another one. It's, yeah. Ugh. It's Chaos. bad. It's bad. Well, I, Santa, uh, thank you I just you so want to much. say real quickly yeah, before please. you say thank you, I love Laurel and Hardy behind you. Those are very cool. Oh, are those original you. drawings or? They are, they're original drawings by the artist. They're not, they're, they're autographed, but Ugh. they're not autographed. Like that's not a Stan and Ollie autograph. They're, okay. my grandmother had those drawn for my dad for his oh. birthday years ago. My dad is a big Laurel and Hardy fan. So is my dad. Um, really? Yeah, huge, oh. huge. Oh, that's, my dad founded the um, Laurel and Hardy tent in Chicago in the 70s. No way. So if you like, there's the Sons of the Desert, which is all the tents and the little different groups. The Way Out West tent was the first one in California. Yeah. And then the Chicago one is called Bacon Grabbers. And my dad founded that in the mid 70s. Oh, uh, that's early, gonna, early 70s. My dad's going to get so excited to hear that. Yeah, I, I, that's interesting because I had like, first of all, bummer, because your dad literally lived down the street from I know, our house, but we come. didn't meet until a few no, years ago, which is just amazing true. to me. Yeah, you people, exactly. Uh, this is for anyone not familiar. Me and Santa are from the same small town in Illinois. Shout it out, Warrenville, Warrenville Illinois. Illinois. <laughs> right. Trying to get it on the map. School. Yeah, try to find it. Um, but we are from the same town, and DC Cab was the first thing. I didn't even know you were in Blues Brothers until you told me the last podcast we oh. did. <laughs> but DC Cab, vivid. I have. I bought the movie on DVD mm. because we were like, "This girl is from Warrenville," and uh, and people, what? And like we would put it. I remember watching the VHS tape at Chris Conley's oh, house. Man. That girl from Warrenville. <laughs> It was inspiring. It was Aww. inspiring. When you're from a town like that, you go into the re you went into Annie Bibbs, the restaurant place. The ice cream parlor. Yeah. That was my first job. I, I didn't know you worked there. That's well, funny. I, I, we're going to put it in quotes, even though I'm on a podcast. This is me doing quotes. I would scoop ice cream after school, and I got paid in Rocky Road ice cream. Just for the record, mm -hmm. I would work for ice cream right now. Thank you. Same. Same. Yeah. Putting that out no, there. No problem with it. <laughs> Uh, well, again, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to plug or anything you got coming up? I know we're kind of all doing nothing. Yeah, Maybe people, I'm just hanging out, waiting for my next gig. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I have a, a couple producers that optioned a script that I wrote, so they're out there oh. selling that, and I'm taking classes, and I'm painting, and hoping for oh, auditions Oh, by the way, that's, let's talk about your painting for two seconds. You okay. paint, sell, and then donate. Yes, so about two years ago, uh, one of my friends told me I should take yoga, 
and I tried a yoga class and within five minutes I was like, I need a magazine because just sitting there with my thoughts caused me to spiral. So, not, not a big meditator, <laughs> Not I a see. big meditator. So I said, I need to find something meditative, something that like focuses me and calms me down. So I took a watercolor class at a local recreation center and I took the class for about a year and a half and I loved it. It was, you know, I listened to podcasts or music and I just paint. And then when uh, Black Lives Matter uh, started happening earlier this year, I wanted to find a way to help. So I created an Etsy site and donated 100% of the proceeds for any painting that was sold on my site to Black Lives Matter. Yeah, that or the NAACP or, you know, fantastic. color of change. Yeah, so that's what I've been doing. And there are still a few paintings up there. Admittedly, the last few months of quarantine, it's been challenging to find creativity with everything that's going on. Um, and I only say that because I know that there are people out there that are feeling the same. And it's hard to see people on social media saying, I wrote a script. I wrote a novel. I shot this. And you're feeling like, I, I can't even like imagine doing anything creative right now. So uh, I haven't painted in a while, but, you know, eventually it'll come back. I think once everything settles down and, you know, we yeah. get rid of anxiety, it'll, it'll I, be better. I think the funniest thing I've said this entire quarantine <clears throat> uh, pandemic, if you will, mm -hmm. the other day I, was, I woke up, was uh, the 6th of January. I woke up and I was like, I literally said out loud to myself, like, I'm going to get some writing done today. <laughs> <laughs> and then my friend. So it's my, your fault. <laughs> three minutes later, my friend texts me, Have you seen this? A bunch of Hank Hills are storming the Capitol. Oh. And I was like, What? And that was it. I didn't yeah. write a thing all day. I was on the Twitter and news and just like. For sure. Doom scrolling. I, there is there is an interesting, like at the beginning, I was like, I did. I painted some pictures. I was doing, mm -hmm. I wrote a thing. I wrote a kid's show. I did all this. It was like a yeah. real motivated time. And now it's slowly taking its toll on me where I'm like, I don't like without, if I wasn't doing this, this podcast is forcing me right. to, and even though it's not work, I'm like, I have to watch my so-called life. I yeah, have to. It feels I like you're to. doing work. Yeah. Yeah. It's mental. It's a mental yeah. thing. Like, yeah, I totally anyway. understand that. <clears throat> yeah. So, so it, for been, anyone out there that's feeling like it, you're not alone. Yeah. So, and I, I hope that this, uh, I, I feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I, I do feel too. like we're, we can start feeling positive. Um, I love oh, that you're doing a positive podcast. I, you know, I, it was one of those things. Indy was the guy who came and asked if mm. I wanted to do a podcast and mm. I thought about it and I'm like, what do I, like, what do I want to talk about? And I realized I only want to talk about things I like. Right? <laughs> so, but that's not a bad thing. No, no, it's not. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, a friend of mine had a saying, promote what's great, not what you hate. And so this whole, the idea of the podcast is celebrate what's great. Anything yeah. that's great. TV shows, people, like we had Tony on talking about the ocean. Oh, I love Tony. Because Sam. the ocean is awesome. It you is know? awesome. Yeah. So it's like one of those things. If, I, if, if it's something I like or I feel people will like, we're going to talk about it. And this show, uh, I admittedly, I backed into it because I wanted to have you on. And I didn't want it to just be <sighs> the same kind of thing we did with Hollywood Anonymous. Not yeah. that that wasn't good. It was fun. But... I felt we'd done that. So mm -hmm. to have a, a focus. And I remember when we were, the show came up in conversation and I remember, oh yeah, you were on that. And it, and I just remembered how important the show was to people. And, and still to this day, the fact that it's running on prime and people mm -hmm. are watching it and it's getting like a third life yeah. and it's got it's important to fans. Me. Like just, Again, for your for career wise or just uh, because of what the show was and you <laughs> because being of what the show was 
specifically the moments with Wilson. I'm going to just say that, that, that those moments with Wilson and the dance with Wilson and just, it, it, it's such a highlight of my career. And, and also like when you work on shows like that, it spoils you, it ruins you. Cause then you go and you work on other shows and you're like, what is this shit? Um, but you know, it's just, I'm, I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful to have been a part of it and so grateful that people responded and still respond i was gonna say they still respond right i mean i see yeah. you you kind of answer people back on twitter you know you'll com- comment yeah. and you, you'll I put try. a funny thing on there which i know people absolutely love to to see if they comment about the show and it's commented on by people well I, I gotta be honest part of that is like if they're taking the time to tweet me and they're they're not you know this doesn't count for trolls people that say mean things because they get muted right away absolutely Um, but people that are nice enough and take the time to tweet me i try and tweet them back you know because yeah because why not not? exactly because without people caring about the work you've done thank you there's no more work in the future. That's a whole other podcast, John. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Without your fans, you're not working, man. Yeah. Oh Without, my God, I rhymed. <laughs> Without your fan, you're not working, man. There it is. I'm going <laughs> to get a bumper sticker. <laughs> well, oh. Santa, thank you so much. Uh, we'll put up a link to your Etsy site uh, when we do this. So if you want to just email that to me or let sure. me have it, and then we can. If people want to buy a painting, yeah, all it gets money donated to, to charity. Yeah, there you go. And again, check out DC Cab. Watch Home Alone. These are movies <laughs> Santa is in, and they are classic, classic movies. They're mm-hmm. worth it. And again, my so-called life is on Amazon Prime. You can watch it if you have Amazon Prime for free. Yeah, I highly I think recommend it's on it. ABC I'm a- too. I think ABC.com has it too, yeah. Oh, okay, ABC.com. That's Why not, right? They're probably experiencing more people watching it now than ever before. I know, I know. But it's worth it. I mean, I'm a a 40-plus-year-old man, and I enjoyed the shit out of it. You know what I mean? It takes you back to high school, and it was an important show for its time. And we're glad it got made, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about it. Thank you for talking to me, John. Absolutely. Warnville. Warnville. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, Santa. Tell Joe I said hi. I will. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. That was Santa Moses, guys, talking my so-called life. Huh? Pretty fantastic stuff. Yeah. Uh, Great great show. She's a a great human being and an awesome, amazing actor. Um, I'd say check out her IMDb and look up everything she's done. But that was... My so-called life again. Amazon Prime. Check it out. Worthwhile show. Thank you so much Definitely. for tuning in this week. Uh, my Instagram is at j o n underscore h u c k. My Twitter is at j o n h u c k. Indy. Ah yes, I'm at Indy Fawcett on on the Instagrams. So uh, thank you all for the follow. Awesome. <laughs> they're not all right, guys. They're, they're not. They're not following me either. Don't worry about it. <laughs> They watch this, they listen, that's all we care about. Yeah, yeah. Just hit the like and the subscribe. Smash that like button. You know what to do, (laughs) y'all. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.